You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we are here to break down the running back position. Chris, the running back position for the New York football Giants. So just for a little context on the offense, we all know as Giants fans that the offense over the last two seasons under Jason Garrett was almost unwatchable. In 2021, they were 31st in the league with 15.2 points per game. And in 2020, they were 31st in the league with 17.5 points per game. We didn't think it could get any worse. But after Daniel Jones's injury in 2021, it was all downhill. And the Giants really couldn't muster anything other than those like two garbage time touchdowns against the Los Angeles Chargers at the end of their game. But the rushing attack is what I kind of really want to focus on. Because if we go back to the 2020 season, Chris, the talk of the Giants team was the defense. But when you did mention the offense, it was that power gap, heavy counter rushing attack that was implemented by Jason Garrett and ran to success by Wayne Gallman. And that just did not replicate in 2021. And now we have a whole new offensive system here. Do you have any beat on what type of running system, what type of rushing plays Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka will employ here in 2022? Uh, you know, I honestly don't. Uh, just because you know, Saquon Barkley is a very different running back than what they had at either Buffalo or Kansas City. You know, in Buffalo, they had Devin Singletary, who is a good running back, you know, particularly for the investment in him. You know, he wasn't drafted particularly highly. He isn't a focal point of the Bills offense. And, you know, kind of the same thing over in Kansas City. Like, both of those teams are, they are pass-first offenses. You know, I think in a previous age, we would have called them pass-happy, but the, the NFL has kind of gotten to a place where they understand that, like, if you can get seven, eight yards per attempt throwing the ball, that is just a better use of your offensive snaps than potentially getting four yards running the ball. So, yeah, and NFL offenses really are weighted much more towards the pass. Most of them anyway, uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, they're kind of special cases off to the side. They, there's no reason why they shouldn't be run heavy, but Kansas Buffalo, they are pass heavy offenses, but they also have the quarterbacks to be pass-heavy offenses. They've got Pat Mahomes. They've got Josh Allen. Everybody saw that quarterback duel in the playoffs last year. But 
the Giants don't have Pat Mahomes. The Giants don't have Josh Allen. They do have Saquon Barkley. But neither of those two teams have Saquon Barkley. So how much will the running game figure into the Giants offense? Probably more than it figured into the Chiefs or Bills offenses. Maybe not quite as much as uh, maybe previous coaching staffs would have liked to have leaned on, leaned on the running game. I think Saquon Barkley is the defining factor to this offense for everything that you just laid out. Not a lot of people are talking about the fact that the personnel in Kansas City over the last couple of seasons and the personnel in Buffalo is just wildly different than what the New York Giants have. Now, the Giants have added some interesting additions to the wide receiver room over the last couple of years, but Saquon Barkley is such a different type of player than anything Kansas City and Buffalo has, just like you said. So how will he be used here? We've heard just in OTAs and minicamp that he is moving around a lot in terms of being a passing asset. He moved around more now than he ever has in his professional career. That's an excellent start, right? Because he is a weapon out of the backfield. Now, last year, he had 41 catches for 263 yards and two receiving touchdowns. But I mentioned this in the quarterback podcast, and it's true. I mean, he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry. He had less than 600 yards on 162 attempts, whereas in the previous year, granted, it's much different situation. Wayne Gallman had almost 700 yards rushing on less attempts with six touchdowns, averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And you look at that and you're like, well, they're not really comparable, right? Because they're two different situations and the Giants 2020 offense, which is unbelievable to think, but they were much more effective in the 2021 offense. That's just how bad the 2021 offense was. But Chris, what's interesting is Devontae Booker last year. He looked pretty damn good. And it's insane because they did have the same exact yardage, 593 yards, but Devontae Booker did it on 145 carries. So he had a 4.1 yards per carry average. And just watching the tape, Chris, there were times where I was like, I, I, you can't say that Devontae Booker is better than Saquon Barkley because he's obviously not. He doesn't have the same type of athletic ability and the athletic capabilities that Barkley possessed. But damn, dude, there were times where he would see holes that I'm just not 100% sure Barkley would see. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I would, you know, go, going back through Saquon's career, even the first two seasons when, yeah, he, he was one of the best runners in the NFL before that ACL injury. And honestly, he was not very good before the, in the game and a half game and a half, two games before that ACL injury. Saquon has never been an efficient runner. He has always been at his best when he's in really an outside zone scheme he gets a menu of cutback lanes and he's just able to use his physical ability to out athlete defenders in a moment by moment basis yeah even going back to his time at penn state you would see him basically behind the line of scrimmage, looking around, constantly looking, where's my best avenue for a big play, and then just make jump cut after jump cut, shrug off contact, and then explode through a cutback lane and pick up big plays. Of course, that isn't sustainable. And sometimes, maybe even a lot of times, the defenders, especially at the NFL level, 
you they're a lot harder to out athlete, even for a guy like Saquon. And Wayne Gallman, Devonta Booker, they are those two are actually very similar runners. They are very efficient. They have good vision, especially on those inside between the tackle runs where they can just receive the handoff. They follow their blockers, see the hole and hit it. Just instant acceleration, run behind their pads and they pick up whatever was blocked for them and then fall forward for a yard or two more. The giants have asked Saquon to do that in a couple different seasons. Like I remember Carl Banks on, you know, on air during and after games, almost pleading with Saquon Barkley just to run behind his pads and pick up, pick up what's blocked for him. And even early in his career, when he would do that, he wouldn't be quite as effective because he, he wouldn't get those big explosive highlight reel plays. And that's when you would see his yardage average drop down from four and a half to 4.1 to 3.7 yards per carry. He just doesn't have that real direct runner gene in him. That's just not who he is. Which is crazy too, because he's as big as he is. He's like five foot eleven, about two hundred and thirty-three pounds. A- absolutely, you know, Saquon is he. He is kind of a scat back in a power back's body. Yes, and he should be able to run over people, and we've seen him run over people in the past. You're right, though. It, there are times where he tries to dance a little bit too much rather than just lowering his shoulder. I think he can kick that. I saw elements of him doing that last year him lowering his shoulder. It's just, he was wildly inefficient last season. And I think another aspect of Saquon Barkley's game that can be developed is his ability to set those blocks up and kind of play that cat and mouse game with linebackers, bait linebackers into one hole and then attack another hole. Cause you know, the block is going to develop and manifest itself at the second level. And you can hit a cutback lane. I don't think Barkley really anticipates that all too well. It's something that I've seen, Booker do a solid job. I saw Gallman do it a little bit too. You see a lot of these patient running backs. Le'Veon Bell is one of the best at setting up those blocks with patience. Saquon Barkley, I feel like his vision and and his ability to do that, it, it's not to the level of a, a top running back in the league like a Nick Chubb or a, or a Dalvin Cook, say. Yeah, and I, I think part of that is just because of how how great of an athlete he has always been where – He's never really had to do that on offense. You know, he always could use his explosiveness, his agility to just beat defenders, just one-on-one, hat on a hat. I am a better athlete than you. Catch me if you can, and I bet you you can't. And a lot of other guys, they have to work with their offensive linemen. They have to have that almost supernatural vision and ability to anticipate where defenders are going to be, where the blocks are going to materialize and then set up defenders to get blocked and then exploit the hole that will be there, but isn't yet. Yeah. Saquon has always been a much more immediate runner where is the hole there now? Okay. I will hit the hole. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Exactly. Yeah, he's that's the type of runner he is. I'm wondering if DeAndre Smith, the new coach of the running backs, can can really extract that from Saquon Barkley. And Burton Burns is a great running back coach, but you got to look at Saquon Barkley's time while Burton Burns was here as a coach. He was injured a lot of the time here. He was injured a lot of the time through the Joe Judge area. He got hurt in week two in 2020, and then he was battling all injuries last year, and he was covering from that ACL. So this podcast seems negative so far. We're just kind of pointing to some of the flaws that we see. But overall, I am – wildly encouraged by what Saquon Barkley can do with Brian Dable and this new offense, because he's still a young guy. He is a year removed from that serious injury. And I think he can really unlock the next level of Saquon Barkley that we haven't seen yet. And I think his ability as a receiver can also really be tapped into, and he can just be a real true asset as a running back, as an offensive weapon, and maybe actually be relevant as a fantasy football player again. Yeah, and I think it, using him as a receiver kind of is that next frontier for Saquon Barkley. I think that is how you really unlock all of his athletic potential. And honestly, I I think the Giants should, instead of looking at uh, Nick Chubb or even – uh, Devin Singletary in Buffalo or yeah, definitely not like a Derrick Henry in yeah, Tennessee where you know, all of, don't look at Saquon Barkley as a traditional running back. Instead, look at him as Alvin Kamara. Go to school on how the Saints under Sean Payton used Alvin Kamara where you know we opened the podcast by talking about how much Saquon is being moved around through OTAs. And part of that is because, you know, helmets are helmets and pads aren't on yet. You know, guys aren't hitting. So it's really tough to do uh, running back drills, running play drills, you know, in OTAs, in mini camp, or even training camp before the pads go on and guys can hit. So use this period to really work on your receiving game at, with the running back, but also, that is a phenomenal way to use guys like Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley, who they can catch passes. You know, Saquon's got pretty soft hands as a receiver. He can run routes. How many times have we sat here and said, why aren't the Giants sending him on wheel routes? Why are they using angle routes? Or moving him to like a slot receiver or putting him out wide and forcing maybe a linebacker to go out wide and play like a cornerback position. You know, that is basically a win for your offense. As long as you can get the pass off. Take advantage of man coverage of defenses. It's something that a lot of teams did last year. A la Tay Crowder against uh, JD McKissick in week two. Absolutely. And yeah, hopefully that is really how the giants use Saquon Barkley this year. You know, maybe we'll see some 21 personnel with multiple running backs out there and Saquon motioning out into a wide receiver role and, you know, really putting that kind of stress on defenses because eventually something's going to break. Either Saquon is going to get 
a one-on-one opportunity with a linebacker in space or one of the other receivers is going to get an opportunity because you have distorted their defense so much that they just can't hold up. And also, you know, just to go back a few years to when Saquon was, you know, his first two seasons, I think it was his first season in particular, he did get moved to the slot a fair bit and the Giants threw him the ball a lot. But that year he actually had more yards after the catch than he had receiving because so many of his receptions were just behind the line of scrimmage. So he had the entire defense bearing down on him. So it isn't really a surprise that he got injured eventually, like in his second year when he had that ankle injury against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, he had 721 receiving yards in 2018, Chris. You kind of forget that, right? And you're right. A lot of it was Eli Manning can't push the ball vertically anymore, so he's going to check down to Saquon Barkley. And he also had four touchdowns, Saquon, that year. 114 targets, 91 catches. But now you you take – if you use a similar type of approach in the offense now at Brian Dable, you can have deceptive type of plays that can have the offensive attention on Saquon Barkley if Barkley is catching and having success – and then, you know, you throw to the backside to a Kadarius Tony or a Wandell Robinson, and you have those two guys who can make so many players miss in space. I feel like the, the personnel that the Giants have now can be more conducive to allow Saquon Barkley a little bit more freedom and a little bit less pressure in terms of what the defense is going to focus on. Defense is used to focus on them all the time. I think it's going to start like that. But if the Giants and Daniel Jones can prove to make them pay by finding those other options, then that's going to take a little bit of pressure off of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and I, I really think that Saquon, it, he might be the the Giants' best player on offense, but I don't think he should be the focus of the offense. Certainly not as a running back, because you know, I don't think that is how the Giants are going to have success in 2022 or 2023 and beyond. You know, having their offense run through the running back position, but using him as just one more weapon, one more player who can really stress the defense, who can be used in conjunction with the tight end position, it, with the running back, uh, sorry, with the wide receiver positions in receiving concepts to create separation, to manipulate the defense, slow down pass rushes, all of that, all of that type of thing. Yeah, that I think is how you best use Saquon Barkley. I would agree. Speaking of the best utilization of certain players, I think Matt Breida, man, Giants, Joe Shane brought him over to join the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley. And this is somebody who I feel like does run with some patience. He's a little bit undersized, about 5'10", you know, sub 200 pounds, been in the league a little bit now. He used to be dinged up a lot when he was over there with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, but he had a pretty successful season in Buffalo as that like third back that you put in on passing situations, caught a couple screens, broke a couple really long runs off those screens. I felt like he does a pretty good job setting up blocks in space in terms of getting behind his blockers and then just using his overall vision and awareness to see what the defense is and then reacting based on that. So I think Matt Breida is going to have, I don't think like an every down third down role. I think Saquon will definitely be used. I think there will be times where the Giants will be in split back when they will utilize multiple running back personnel groupings. But 
overall with all the other talent on the roster, I'm not 100% certain how many snaps Matt Breida will end up playing ultimately. I do think he will have a role and he will make the roster though. Oh, definitely. I, I think we can pretty safely count on him as the number two back behind Saquon. And I do think this will the Giants running back position will be the Saquon show. But Breida will have a role. To me, the interesting thing about it is how big of a role will he have on third downs? Because the one thing we haven't mentioned with Saquon is that he hasn't been a good pass protector. That has been just a liability with him, honestly. And you kind of hate to say it, but as long as Saquon has been in the league, you would expect his pass protection to develop. Now, I don't think you should be taking Saquon off the field on third downs unless maybe you're trying to catch the defense sleeping or something like that. Just show them a different look but maybe using him in a 21 personnel two running backs and have Brita in the backfield as an extra pass protector, because he is a capable pass protector. Yeah. I believe he, uh, he's only allowed something like nine pressures in something like 80 pass protecting reps last year, something like that. So he is a, he is a reliable pass protector out of the backfield. And that's, something Saquon really hasn't been. Hopefully that will change this year. But if the Giants can't trust Saquon to be that last line of defense or last line of protection for their quarterback, they got to trust somebody with it. And that more than likely will be Brita. There's another name we're going to go over a little bit later and we'll circle back to this conversation. But I want to get to the next four players and we'll kind of group them all in together here because there's going to be more than just two running backs on this roster. The more than likely will be three true running backs and then possibly maybe a fullback H back type that we'll get to real quick. But Gary Brightwell, Antonio Williams, Sandro Platzgummer, and Deshaun Corbin, they may all be fighting for one roster spot. And I think they all have unique types of stories. Antonio Williams, he was up in Buffalo with Brian Dable and Joe Shane, not a ton of NFL experience. Gary Brightwell was a six round pick by Joe Judge last year, more of a special teamer out of Arizona. Sandro Platzgummer was a part of the International Pathway Program, and now he is still here. Will he actually make the roster? Had some flashes in preseason back in 2021. And then Corbin is the rookie undrafted free agent out of Florida State who isn't a dynamic athlete but does really good in confined spaces and contorts his body well to to mitigate big hits and to just create – advantageous angles for him to break arm tackles and and kind of spring plays like that so out of these four chris who do you think has the best chance to make the roster and why you know i actually think corbin might have the best chance to make the roster now maybe that's just because we haven't seen him yet so it's kind of just intriguing having you know the rookie out there but you know we've seen gary brightwell he he is really much more of a special teams player than a running back at this point. And he, he was absolutely a Joe judge guy. I think, I I don't know how much the giants are going to be able to use roster spots for pure special teams players. I think all the guys on defense, 
if you're listed as a defensive player, you better be able to be on the field as a defensive player, especially under Wink Martindale. And I think it's going to be really similar on the offensive side of the ball. They'll have their specialists, you know, long snapper, kicker, punter, but everybody else I think is going to have to be able to play on either offense or defense. When Gary Brightwell was on the field, really wasn't all that inspiring you didn't look at him go okay this guy is the future or maybe we got something here it was just kind of okay another running back took the handoff and got yards kind of yeah we we've seen antonio williams up in buffalo he has really been a journeyman he's been on and off their practice squad since he signed with them as an undrafted free agent. He's probably just a preseason depth player. Platt Scummer, yeah, I'm rooting for him. He is. He was fun to watch in preseason, but I'm not sure just how much he has as an NFL running back. So that kind of leaves Corbin as almost by default the guy I think most likely to win that third running back spot. We haven't heard much about Corbin in, in OTAs and training camp. I think you're right if... If he shows up and displays what we saw in his Florida State film. Now, Antonio Williams, knowing this offense, could give him a leg up. But he has 16 snaps to his name, all in 2020. 12 carries for 63 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, which is good. And two touchdowns. So he had solid film from 2020 in such a limited capacity. I don't know how much weight that actually holds right now in terms of a film standpoint. I think you're right with Gary Brightwell. He was a little bit uninspiring, but he's a six round rookie last season. What do you necessarily expect? Corbin UDFA. Now, when you watch his tape, it's a little bit different than what Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida offer. And I think that's something else that is pretty as good size just under six foot, about 220 pounds. So he's a little bit taller than a Gary Brightwell, a little bit taller than a Antonio Williams, who's about 215 pounds, about like 5'10", 5'11". So I think Plotzgummer is a little bit undersized. He's sub 200 pounds. That's another thing that you kind of have to take into account with Plotzgummer. But if I had to choose one, it would be Corbin, but I'm not like sealing it. I don't think it's a certainty just because I don't know what Corbin has done ever since he signed here with the New York Giants. And that might bear out in training camp. Hopefully it does when people start hitting each other. But overall, I think this is one of the more low-key camp battles that can result in somebody actually making the 53-man roster and then a couple of these other guys getting relegated to the practice squad or just flat-out cut. Yeah, it's also entirely possible that the Giants' third running back isn't on the roster right now. You know, we could see Joe Shane kind of churn the back end of this roster over the course of training camp at, you know, if guys just aren't working out. And maybe after final cutdowns, somebody hits the waiver wire unexpectedly and the Giants bring that guy in. Yeah, it's. I don't think we should put anyone beyond Saquon and Matt Breida on this roster in ink at this point. I think you're right. I really do. I think that when if you go back to 2018 and you go back to really any new regime coming in front office, there's always turnover with veterans and the new regime wants to get their guys and guys they trust and guys that they scouted. And that, that could realistically happen right now too with the running back position. So 
if none of those guys step up in training camp, they could just add a cut early September, right before week one, and then just take it from there. And that player could end up playing a role. But there's one more player that I want to bring up, and this guy is more of an H-back, kind of a tight end, but also he's listed on our lads as a fullback. And I think you look at modern offenses, you don't see a lot of fullbacks, but Sherman had a pretty big role in Mike Kafka's offense, and I know that's a lot of Andy Reid influence right there over there in Kansas City, but he's a true fullback. And Jeremiah Halls, who I'm mentioning, the UDFA out of Oklahoma, and he is a, he's not very dynamic. Right. He's not this this Uber athlete or anything like that. But when you watch his film, he can block. He understands angles. He understands leverage. He is a nuanced route runner who has some, you know, shimmy to his movements, although he's not the most athletic type of player, has soft hands and is very, very physical. I think he can execute a lot of different roles. And I think he might actually make this roster, which is crazy, if the Giants put a put a priority on adding a fullback type, because who the heck else is a fullback on this team? Uh, nobody. <laughs> exactly. Nobody. So yeah. like, I think Hall could realistically have a chance at making this roster based on that. If he can also prove himself as an H back because the giants, I mean, Jason Garrett, and this is going to be a totally different offense, thankfully, but they used a lot of H back. They had a lot of Caden Smith doing that role. They had, they signed Gillespie. He didn't really see much of him, but then Elijah Penny also ran that role a lot. None of those guys are here right now. So who is going to fill that void? if the Giants still want to employ plays similar to that, because I still think there will be some plays like that. It's not like it's just going to always be 10 personnel out here with the Giants. No, and I I do think a fullback, H-back type player has a definite role in the modern NFL. Uh, Look out out in uh, San Francisco with Kyle Jusic. He does a lot for that offense. Elijah Penny was a useful player for the Giants last year. You, know, you could use him as a short yardage back just be based on how he is able to hit the hole, hit the hit the line of scrimmage almost like a sledgehammer. And really direct fullback handoffs are effective in short yardage situations because they hit just so quickly. The defense almost can't get to their run fits in time to stop them. In the passing game, nobody ever covers the fullback. That's honestly a play I love to see. It's like almost a a fullback wheel route because nobody ever covers the fullback out of the backfield. That guy is always wide open. And it, as long as he can haul the pass in, it's usually a pretty good gain. And you talk about Jeremiah Hall having soft hands. Over the last two years at Oklahoma, he caught 50 passes. Nine of them were touchdowns. That is almost a touchdown every five catches. So that that's not to say he's this you know big explosive playmaker, but he does know how to find the end zone, and that's something the Giants' offense has lacked. And we know that this regime and a lot of regimes are looking for players who can wear a lot of hats, a lot of versatile players. That's what Jeremiah Hall is. Not to mention when the Giants don't put him on offense, if they don't want to use that much fullback, he still has special teams value. So. I think the Giants might look at a player like this if he takes to the playbook, takes to the coaching and all of that and be like, yo, even if we don't start the year early on using fullback type packages, we do want to have that in our back pocket. So this guy can play special teams and he can execute those roles. He might have a 53-man roster spot just based on that if he can prove himself. Yeah, absolutely. And having that kind of versatility, flexibility, you know, we talked before about maybe the Giants could use uh, 
21 personnel with Saquon and Matt Breida to create different looks, create opportunities for other players to stress the defense. That's something else Jeremiah Hall can do. You know, he's got the size six, one and a half, about two forty. You know, he could be an effective pass protector. You know, I don't know exactly how much of that he did at Oklahoma, but he's got the frame for it. He's got the play strength for it. As long as his technique is there, that's a useful player to have in your backfield, but then you can move him to a slot receiver position. You could have him run those wheel routes, the angle routes, you know, get him matched up on a linebacker who thinks he's going to block and all of a sudden he's running downfield and you've got a wide open receiving option down there. You know, there are a lot of ways you could use a player like Jeremiah Hall. And I think this coaching staff is diverse enough in their experience and background where we can't rule that out. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to the website, bigblueview.com, to check out all of our up-to-date New York Giants content and leave us a review, subscribe, comment, all of the works. Thank you so much. Be well, take care of each other, and have a lovely day. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.